welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John. Here with me today is Alex. Hello. Brian is out for the night, so Alex and I are playing this round of Night Sweats as a duo. That's our new nighttime show, because it's late. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about all kinds of random shit that we need to catch up on. But before we get to all of that, to find all the places you can listen to or watch the show, or just listen to, you can't watch it anymore. You can watch old episodes. I screwed it up. It's the first time in a while that I messed it up. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we're out of practice, so it's understandable. Yeah, before we get to all of that, to find all the places that you can listen to the show, check out midwestgamers.com slash links. Stitcher Radio is no longer, is what I heard. They oh, are really? Done. They shut Interesting. down. Yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah, the Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month, $1 a month, and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to Jason K, Tom Z, David Owen, Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. Or you can hear from the guys from the Horror Movie Yearbook and their Tiny Terrors. And they had another one. What is it called? Uh, the Honor Roll, the which honor Tim roll. has not been doing since the birth since of his baby. son. Yeah. So oh, that's cool. Uh, understandably so. Maybe he'll get back to that in the future. Um, Indeed. But they do have a couple of episodes out. They talked about, they did a Terrifier face-off, which the Terrifier is a very terrifying clown slasher franchise that apparently started in 2016. Uh, so please check that out. They also talked a little bit about the work of Julian Sands, who uh, was a pretty prolific actor who was recently uh he went missing when he was climbing and they they recently found his remains unfortunately so pouring out for julian sands um but they also have a tiny terror out uh the title of which is everyone poops and this is listen to two aging millennials discuss their bowel movements obscure moon Knight, and x-men comics and horror hound indianapolis so um (laughs) They will be discussing the thing from another world, the 1951 film. Uh, I think in the in the coming weeks. So, uh, look forward to that as well on the Horror Movie Yearbook at horrormovieyearbook.com or wherever podcasts are found. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to midwestgamenerds at gmail Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. <sighs> it's been a while. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Alex had COVID. That's cool. Yeah, that sucked. Knock on wood, I still have not had it. That's crazy. Unless I did and didn't know it, which is entirely yeah, possible. Yeah, you might have just been asymptomatic because that was the thing, apparently. Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Weird. Not fun. Did you lose your don't. sense of taste and smell? Um, Not any more than just the fact that I was super congested. Yeah. And that tends to missing congestion makes you not able to smell and that messes with your taste. But other than that, I can still smell and taste things. And um, uh, I got on the Paxlovid, which is recommended for anybody who can get it. If uh, your yes. doctor cares. Um, no, not Ivermectin, Paxlovid. Because um, it, uh, it is supposed to help limit the possibilities of, of long COVID. So uh, please, please look into that if you do catch COVID. Word. PSA. There you go. Cool. Uh, but shall we, uh, I'll hit a bumper here. Do it. What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation or on your Nintendo Switch? What you've been playing? What you been playing? I've been playing a, a smorgasbord of things because the Steam sale is going on. Summer sale happened, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked up Sludge Life Two on sale, which just came out. Which just came out. If you haven't played the first Sludge Life, shame on you because mm-hmm. it's so ridiculously awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I picked it up, on, and I've been playing on the deck, which is cool. It works. It's flawless on the deck. It's not like it's a very graphically intensive game to begin with, but um, yeah, just just a goofy, weird game. It's hard to explain. You kind of just have to tell people to check it out because uh, it's it's just weird. It's, You're, it's you, like low poly graphics 
And it's PS1 graphics. 32 bit, bit crushed 3D. music. Yeah. And just like cool, weird vibes and strange characters who talk in a weird weird language but the text is in english obviously and, and they they live on this like industrial island of prison sludge and garbage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shipping containers and girders and all kinds of crap and you just run around and you like collect things so you you collect different and you tag you graffiti and tag yeah you're, uh, you're tagging spots. different spots and you meet other graffiti artists and when you meet them you kind of collect them and you can do like collaborations with some of them it looks like if i recall correctly um then you're finding you can find a camera to take pictures of things and when you take pictures of things it reacts like some of the foreground in the photos can react so like when you first pick up the camera there it's it's in like a, one of the hotel rooms that you start in and um there's a guy who's who's like modeling in the room there's like a drop screen and everything behind him and as soon as you aim the camera at him he strikes a pose <laughs> and then every time you drop the camera and aim it again he chooses a different pose so he has all these poses that he jumps into and it's really funny when it happens because you don't expect it you just kind of like flick the camera up thinking like oh this is a camera and then the guy like strikes a pose and it's ridiculous Very and good. the music is totally kick-ass the first one soundtrack was awesome, so this one is even it's just as good. Um but yeah, it's just a weird game. It's hard to explain. It's 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 a very so casual just, game. It's just more of the first one. Like it's not pretty much is it there... picks up it picks up where the first one kind of leaves off, like where you're still playing as ghost, like the the okay. character with the tag ghost. Yeah. And you're on like a new island, sort of. Okay. It's like the island you flew to from the original one. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm excited to play more of it. I bought it in the uh, when it was on sale. Like, when it first came out, there was, like, a launch discount. And, um, yeah, very cool game out of Devolver. And, and those guys always, uh, you know, um, we talked about the first one back when we saw it at PAX. And then we talked about it when it came out. And... Just a very different type of game that people should check out, um, and certainly, you know, budget friendly. It's like even yeah. even not on sale. It's like fifteen, it's like 15 20 bucks. bucks. Yeah, I yeah. think I I spent like twelve dollars on it or something like that. It's normally yeah. fifteen. It's worth every penny because it's just a fun casual game to play, and it's it's just cool. It's just a cool game, for sure. Cool, cool concept. Yep. So, played that. Uh, I bought Horizon Zero Dawn to on the deck to try that out, and it uh, for such a beautiful game, it runs really well on the Steam Deck. Surprisingly, yeah. um, you could say the same thing about Death Stranding. Runs very well on on the Steam Deck. Very cool. Uh, what else did I pick up? Um, did you get played... really far in Horizon on PlayStation? I wouldn't say really far. Uh, okay. I would say like maybe a few hours, but that game has some pretty massive like choice paralysis in terms of oh, things yeah. to do and places to go and things to see. That's that the second one I critical path eventually, and I don't regret it, but I do feel the itch to go back and complete more of it if there weren't so many other video games coming out that I wanted to play. Yeah. Um, I bought so. it on the deck with the idea that I would try to critical path it, but then I remember that I had to sit through the whole intro again and I'm like, I don't want to do this because that's like, <laughs> that's like a two hour investment off the bat yeah. just yep. to get to the point where the world kind of opens up a little bit. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, fuck. Okay. And then you kind of just do it, you know, but yep. I don't know. It's, it's loaded up. It's ready to go. Death straining is also on there. Um, and the reason I put that back on my deck is because I had a conversation with uh, one of my longtime friends, Drew. Uh, he, hopefully he hears this and is like, oh, they're talking about me. Ah. <laughs> um, but he he had some criticisms. He wanted to to file some complaints about the podcast mm -hmm. in that he was very disappointed that I'm not completing video games. Uh, specifically Returnal and Death Stranding were the two that he pointed out that I have not finished that he's very ashamed that I have not finished. Um, 
I've only finished one of those two. He um, said Returnal's ending is incredible. So. I'm sure it is. That's a cool. It's a very cool game, and I wanted to finish it. It's just also hard as balls. It's so extremely it's hard. Like... Yeah. <laughs> which I mean, um, I don't know, because he he has two children, one of which is under the age of one, and I don't know how he finds the time to play games to completion like that. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have no I idea. I. I only have one child, and I don't know <laughs> how to play, how to find the time to play games. Also, so yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I think they added like a co-op for Returnal as well, which would be interesting to how check out. How does that work? I don't know. I'm sure there's probably like friendly fire, and you just kill each other the entire time yeah, because I don't that know. sounds that like what that crazy. game would do. <laughs> That's like playing the Mario games where there's four Mario's and they have collision. Yeah. Oh that- yeah. That yeah. drives you just me drop each other out of the sky. Absolutely the insane. Yeah, <laughs> I can't play those. Megan that's, loves playing them. Rough. We used to play that on, on the Wii with her and like her mom and sister. And uh, yeah. yeah, I can't. It drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I do uh, I do think Death Stranding is very good. I that's the and... thing is I I bought it on the Steam Deck originally because I was like, oh, I will make it a point to play through this. And beat it because the second I I was like how can they make a second game of this you mm-hmm. know and I thought mm-hmm. Kojima was done making games I thought he was only going to make movies from now on is what everybody was <laughs> yeah. saying and then he started making more games and so yeah. I kind of feel like I have to beat it now you know I feel yeah. like I have to beat it because I want to see how they can take Amazon Prime Walker Texas Ranger Walking Daryl and turn it into a second a second game. Like how is that even possible? You just stick Daryl in front of the three D scanner with more celebrity friends and co stars. Because that's basically uh, what he's done. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, he's just collecting action figures in his three D world. Is what Kojima's doing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Kojima's going to end up with the largest AI library of uh, actors and actresses of all time. (laughs) And Hollywood's going to be like, oh, no, Hideo Kojima owns everyone's likeness. Yeah. Maybe that was his plan all along is to just own everyone's likeness so that like this whole SAG after thing that's going on or whatever right now can will fail anyways, because they're all just going to be like, well, you know, Hideo bought us out, so you can't use us in movies anyways. Yeah, you we're know? no longer. We've licensed our likeness to Hideo Kojima. And yeah. I wouldn't In be Kojima surprised. Productions. Yeah. Um, what else have I played? I can't remember. It's uh it's been I haven't really it's been a hard it's been a hard go these past few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have played a shitload of Marvel Snap. Mm-hmm. And since Brian's not here to complain about it, and he's <laughs> probably not going to listen to the episode because he doesn't listen no. to his own podcast. For sure, um, yeah. We can talk about Marvel Snap all we want. We could do a whole 45 minutes on Marvel Snap if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah, we could. Um, in, we might. <laughs> in the time that it has been since we have last spoken about Marvel Snap, they have introduced a new mode called Conquest Mode. Um, Alex, why don't you explain how Conquest yeah. Mode works? So it's a little bit of a reconfiguration of the like versus mode that they made where instead of, um, you know, originally the game was, was you're snapping to multiply cubes that you use to step up on the ranked ladder. Now you, in, in the, in the versus mode, you're snapping to bet your life bar. Do damage, essentially. You're doing damage to your opponent's life bar or they're doing it to your life bar if you lose. And you snap in order to double the amount of damage that you're going to do if you win that round. So you're playing multiple multiple games against the same person with the same deck. You can't switch decks in between rounds. You could, you know, if if each of you retreats the maximum amount of times, you could have like a 20-round fight or something like that. I had a um, few I had a few that went like 12 to 15. I think yeah. with some people because it just kept one we kept like one and oneing like the yeah. whole way through basically. Yeah. So and the way that it works is that you are using tickets to get into different levels of conquest. So there's the proving grounds which you have to make one win 
and that gets you an entrance into silver bracket. The silver bracket, or is it bronze? No, it's silver. Okay, it goes so proving grounds, bracket, silver, gold, uh, plat- infinite, platinum, right? and then infinity. I can uh, we can open this up and find out, but basically. The further you get in conquest, the more like wins you need to get in a row without losing. Right. So when you get um, to silver, you have to play against two different people. So you play one, you play around against one person. If you win, you move on to a round against another person, and then it, you get a gold ticket. And then when you go to the gold bracket, you play against one person and win. Go to play against a second person and win. Play against a third person and win. Then you go to, is it infinite or is it platinum? It's infinite. There's infinite. four levels. And then there's yep. one past it, isn't there? No. No, okay. I thought there was. So, in Infinity Conquest is the top. You have to get five wins in a row. Um, and if you win, you get a, you, you're get you able to like make your avatar all glowy. And there's also a separate shop that has more... Um, you know, variants and different credits and currencies you can buy. So, basically, it's it's you're still playing the same game... But because you're playing multiple rounds against the same person with the same deck, you can kind of strategize how you dole out your cards in ways that kind of can subvert your opponent's expectations is kind of the way that I feel like I see it there, working. Well, there's like, that, but it's also like learning like learning what kind of deck they have and the fact that yep. they can't like change their deck out unless you get a location that causes like, you know, random get rid of cards or... 10 random cards in each deck or, uh, you know, whatever, the one that's like draw seven cards and destroy the deck or whatever. Lamentous five, yeah. Yeah, so... The, and 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 I think the other thing is the other thing that I found is that it feels like decks that are multi-purpose can be or have multiple outs uh, tend to be more beneficial because you can kind of be like okay in my first round here I can throw my standard you know if I have a destroy deck and I power up my venom and I have null then that's one thing but then I can also instead of using null use Zola to copy my venom to two locations. You can kind of use different strategies in each successive round in order to throw a new toolkit at your enemy, even though you're only using the same deck is kind of the one thing that I feel like can be rewarded, but you can also have success just using a deck, like a, a single purpose deck very well, so... You like conquest mode, I take it. I, I love. I conquest feel like you've mode. been complaining a bit less in the. Yeah. In the well, because I've chat. been mostly playing conquest mode, and part yeah. of that is because I don't. There's, there's no. You, I feel like you can't lose by playing it. Mm. Like even if you're playing the proving yeah. rounds and like you win that, you get 15 crowns, and then you move on to the to the silver round, and you, by spending the silver ticket, you get like another 25 crowns. Mm-hmm. So each round, each time you win, you're getting crowns. Every ticket that you spend, you get crowns for, and crowns are used to buy the things in the separate store for the conquest mode. And that's like I feel like you're always winning in there. It doesn't nothing. And if you ever like, if you ever bomb out, all it means is you start back at the proving grounds, right? You're not losing ranking or anything like that, which exactly. is nice. And it's and, actually a really good place to like test out decks and things for that reason. Yes. And I, I used it, like, I, I created this Lockjaw deck based off of something I saw somebody else playing with when mm-hmm. I was playing in, in regular mode. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to build this Lockjaw deck. So, to to break it down for everybody who's not aware, it, it uh, I, I actually, I, I spelled it out. I, I started a Threads account in case you're not following that fiasco. Um, um, yeah. So, I started a Threads account. And and I and I said uh, this is my current mediocre dominator for conquest mode. Waiting approximately three turns before playing anything, Jack's Hulk up to sixteen power. So in the deck you have Hulk, Magneto, Infinot, Odin, Doctor Doom. Those are all six energy enemies, but they are all very high power and they have great attributes to them. Uh, I also have Thor and Jane Foster, Thor, Jubilee, High Evolutionary. Killmonger, Lockjaw, obviously, because it's a Lockjaw deck, and Wasp. So, for the first three turns of the game, you're basically paralyzed, but that's good, mm-hmm. because if you have High Evolutionary in your deck, and you have Hulk in your deck, Hulk's just building power. But only if he's time. in your hand now. Either way, it 
is how it's they, that's how that's one of the nerfs that they brought this week basically was that hulk has to be in your hand to get beefed up by not spending points uh it'll if you lay him on the board too he'll pick up yes too he's got to be in play to some extent um yep but basically like you spend those first three turns doing nothing hulk's kind of building if you have him in your hand um and the whole point is that by turn three you're basically wanting to play lockjaw if you can't play lockjaw hopefully you can play thor if you can't do Mm -hmm. either of those two things depending on who you're playing against like if they've got a heavy set of, of one power enemies on the board you could drop killmonger and then you're okay um but if you can't play anything by turn three just end the round and start the next one and see what draws because sacrificing like one life point for that is not it's nothing it's no big deal yeah. low low um, impact and my basic strategy is just to get lockjaw out try to get wasp in lockjaw's thing as many times as i can because wasp costs zero so i can play other th- things on the board while playing wasp and then I can throw Jubilee on another panel and pull somebody else out with Jubilee, you know. So your your goal is to hopefully draw out these higher powered high enemy, power high, yeah, higher spending. power cards without spending extra energy, and it's proven to be very effective, especially in conquest mode. And I can tell, like you can, you kind of get the sense, and and maybe it's just my internet connection, but you kind of get the sense how frustrated people get playing it because they hesitate to play another round against you. Mm-hmm. Like there's a definite waiting period of like, do I really want to deal with with this guy or do I want to just concede? And so like, I know it's pissing people off and it works and they clearly caught on to it because they nerfed, you know, they nerfed high evolutionary and Hulk and they yeah. nerfed Wasp too because Wasp with high evolutionary deals a negative damage. It used to be negative damage to two different enemies on the same panel, but now yep. it's just one. Um, so very cool deck i'm having a lot of fun with it i have played it in regular play and i've done okay with it i think i got to i got up to 63 rank last uh before last reset so i only dropped to like the 30s and i'm back up in the 40s now but i'm just i don't i don't enjoy the losing part of that of playing ranked Mm -hmm. anymore it's just not fun to me and it's not even it's not worth me playing that to like to get the unlockables for ranking mm-hmm. because I can still get all of the shit that I want by just playing conquest mode because the conquest plays still give you all of your missions like for the day and yeah. you can complete all of your weekly missions as at the same time. And then you're still just gaining the same amount of gold and, and credits and everything the whole time you're playing conquest mode. So there's no point in playing the ranked mode in my opinion anymore. I've actually still only been playing ranked, and I'm also using a Lockjaw deck, and I think I got to 60-something, like you said, last round, and I didn't really switch to this Lockjaw deck until late. Um, And so I started back at, like, 30 where you were. I'm at 77 right now with my Lockjaw deck. So it's, Okay. And I feel like, like you said, it's just... My, my deck is, is pretty close, but I don't have... um. I don't have Odin in there. I've got Dracula in instead because if you have a bunch of high-powered shit in your hand that you weren't able to draw out with Jubilee Yeah, Dracula and will Lockjaw, at least clone one of those. Yeah, Dracula will take the power one of those on, which has honestly saved my ass so many times, and I'm sure it's so fucking frustrating whenever Dracula takes the 20 power from Infinite out of your hand and the person you're playing sees that, they're probably just like, well, fuck. It's, it's just... Yeah. It's, it's a really satisfying deck and it is currently dominating and that's why yeah they did nerf it but it feels like it's probably gonna need to get nerfed more because i'm still winning with it and i know i'm not that like i i I do okay in this game but there are plenty of people that were beating the shit out of me before this so i feel like that will return at some point yeah i mean Um, honestly odin i could probably swap for something else at this point because of the nerf odin was just great because you would pop like hopefully he would pop up after wasp was in play fully and then you're just negating somebody a couple damage like at least once or he's really helpful dr doom yeah if if you if you drop if you drop uh depending on your sequence if you drop thor first on turn three lockjaw on turn four Mm. and then you're able to get Odin to pop up again from the in the same panel with Mjolnir, yeah. And and then he can draw two oh. Mjolnirs, and then you yep. drop Jane Foster on turn five, and then she pulls two Mjolnirs out into your hand, and then you're just like dropping double Mjolnirs on people. 
which yep. I mean, again, that's another thing that drives people absolutely crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. there, are, I, what, what's the what's the location where it's uh, pops up in another? Or, or when you play a card here, it another one goes in another location. Uh, Great Web, maybe? So, no, not Great Web. It's another. It's another one. Oh, Sinister London is what. Yeah. You're so I, I dropped I dropped an uh, a Thor on that, and so I had two Thors in play from that, and two drew Mjolnir's. two Mjolnirs, and then I dropped Jane Foster in the middle <laughs> panel. And then I like so she pulls both Mjolnir's out. So then I drop Mjol- both Mjolnir's. Mjolnir's in the same thing, and so I had four of them pop up, powering up both Thors. Yeah. yeah, and I and and here's I I waited until the end of the game to do that. So the dude playing against me was like, oh, he's not, he doesn't know what he's doing. So then I drop all these Mjolnir's on this guy, and he was fucking pissed. Like you could just he was doing the he was doing all the emotes like ah. I yeah. can't believe I'm losing or whatever it says, yep. you know, like it, it was just, yes. it was so good. Like you could clearly, I, I just love when you can tell that people are fucking pissed. Like, absolutely. I wish, I do wish there was like a voice chat or some way to like have like better, bigger, more elaborate conversations with people. But obviously like they're trying to keep everyone from being an they're internet racist, you know? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there have been many times where I finish around and I'm just kind of like, man, I hope the person I just played was streaming on Twitch or something. And well, they just got yeah, completely I'm like, I'm like, cool, because I always I always hoped when people would see my name pop up and it says Chamba Wamba and like <laughs> and then it says as performed by Dazzler, I thought was always funny because that was the headline I would use. But nice. now I, I only I exclusively use the absolute garbage one because that is nice. what this fucking game is. is absolute garbage. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I also enjoyed conquest mode a bit too. Um, I don't I don't think I've gotten past gold. Uh, but it's been an interesting, different way to play the game, and yeah. they, it came at the right time. You know, it kind of um, you know, we had been talking about like them needing some sort of way for you to practice with a deck, and it seems to have alleviated that issue. Absolutely, like yeah. it certainly you can use it that way, and it's not. It's pretty low impact, um, right? I think honestly, cool I just is, is, I just need to stream the game on Twitch and just play on Twitch, and like then I can just talk shit to the camera and like have yeah. other people watching me talk shit, and that'll be like that'll be what I need is just for me to talk shit, and then someone on Twitch to be like, "Oh, totally, man, that guy's a piece of shit," you know, like just totally yeah. validate all the crap Getting that I'm saying. Encouragement, yeah. Uh, yeah, from yeah. No, there's so it's many. It's just times. Zach. It's Zach in the chat, <laughs> just being like, "Yeah, that guy's an <laughs> asshole." Like, <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, no, it's I I I love the game. I think it's great. Like I I enjoy it a lot, and I know it has its problems. And I think the thing is with any live game is they're so constantly adjusting everything to get what they wanted to happen happen with like the meta game. Like they have a very particular balance in mind for everything and so they're constantly pissing everybody off all the time there's no there's no good deed being rewarded for making a game like destiny or any live service game at this point because all you ever do is just piss off the people who who've been playing your game for the longest right right and so i don't know i've just made it to this weird zen like low impact like yeah if i get up to 80 or whatever this season that's cool if i don't that's fine i get cool cards that look well, that, neat that's the thing and- is like i feel like this latest update like i they didn't need that they didn't need to nerf the cards they nerfed like i think hulk as it was was fine i think if they just removed the ongoing aspect of it of hulk's card with high evolutionary i that would have been f- totally fine because but I think I think the thing that like the thing is the fact that you are winning as much as you are winning means that they are not making the game as competitive as they want it to be, you know. Well, this, That's the thing is like their... when I was even, even like before this re- this reset or whatever, not the reset or like the before this update, the update where they did yeah. the nerfing, um, I was very comfortable with the way all the cards were playing, even when they were being used against me. It didn't bother mm. me. Especially because I know in our in our Discord, Chad keeps like he was harping about high evolutionary quite a bit. He yeah. was it was making him very angry, and 
in all reality, if you don't have high evolutionary and you haven't played with that card, it's probably going to make you a little bit upset. But once you have it and like you understand it and you know how to combat it, it's not so bad, you know? So, cause there's, I was playing high evolutionary decks for a while. I had, I had one, um, what I called it lockdown high, like, like lockdown, like high school, you know, LHS. And like, okay. uh, it was, it was a high evolutionary deck, but it also had storm and professor X and, um, Spider-Man in it. So like the whole point was you're dropping high Evo cards and then you just close lanes every chance you get. Mm-hmm. in order to keep the other guy from playing and like that deck is a pain in the ass like professor x is a piece of shit like oh yeah but it was it was one of those things where like you kind of live and you learn and you adapt to it so like you create decks to avoid those things moving forward or like i mean i don't really know how you avoid professor x because he's kind of hard to avoid they should just make him a six power or something i don't know like no, no, five, ma- five makes one of sense. The, yeah, it's just but. one of those things where you got to know, like, if somebody's playing a lockdown deck like that, and you are playing, like, you have, if you've been playing the game enough, you can tell that it might be coming. And if if you're playing with enough clarity, you can tell that, that Professor X is coming. And you can plan for it. But... I think, like, there's a couple main things of, like, spreading out your points is a good way to combat that type of thing, because, in general, Professor X is best where it's, like, nothing's really been played here. Well, that, that's the thing, is, like, Sometimes, you, you could just, you could be playing a high tribunal deck or whatever, and yes, against yes. someone with Professor X, you know? Like, yes. I, that's the thing, is I wish they would focus more of their correction, again, on not balancing the cards themselves, but balancing how they like pit players against each other with like, like I don't want to play a deck with the same meta as my deck. Like I sh- they yeah. shouldn't do that. Like make me play against somebody else completely. The, but the weird thing about it is I think once you get into the like slipstream of like 50 and up, everybody's playing what is perceived as the highest or the most successful meta decks. So they're all going to be... Like, a lot of people play Lockjaw right now. And that's... So you run into a lot of Lockjaw because that is what is getting to the 100. It's just a weird, like, economical... Like, I wish there was some way for us to see all the data that they're looking at and to understand it. And it's not like they could show that because that's how the bread... Like, that's how the, the butter... Like, that's how they're making it. You know, there's, there's got to be someone on the internet collecting that information. Like, there's there's sites out there like Marvel Snap Pro and stuff. I haven't tried to look at it enough, but I and I but I think it's all kind of like self-reported is the thing, and so it's just kind of like it's an incomplete data set. But like, I think, I think, the weirdness with like facing off against similar decks might have more to do with like fitting inside of the meta versus not and how frequently i don't know i i get what you're saying because i know like whenever i switch to my destroy deck i see more destroy decks and it's just a weird thing but yeah i don't know i just don't i just don't like that because then it's like it it's it just feels that feels so rigged to me because it's like they're it, it's like they're saying to me like oh let's let's put these two people together with the same deck and see who's better but because everything's completely randomized in terms of the draw like you always kind of feel like you got the worst draw you know i don't i don't know i maybe i'm not explaining it right but i typed into uh, no, google I bard i said what's the most used marvel snap card and apparently it's nightcrawler at 26.68% huh <laughs> Sure. Ant- Ant-Man's number two, 26.15. That must be skewed with, like, new players or something, because those are, like, pool Possibly. One. I mean, America Chavez is next, and then Sunspot, Carnage, Nova, Iron Man, Odin, Angela, and Armor. Huh. So. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'd be very interested in, like, uh, a breakdown of, of what is really going on. Like if no clip was doing a documentary on Marvel snap, I would watch the shit out of that because I feel like just understanding the conversations that they're having as they try to like 
get the game where they want it to be with the balancing that they do, it, it would be very interesting to understand and learn what's going on because you're right. Like they can see the thing that they talk about frequently in their patch notes is like, Hey, we're seeing a lot of people winning with Lockjaw, especially when paired with high evolutionary. And so they know like these two together in a deck means that they're winning more frequently, like four times to one compared to like any other type of deck or whatever it is. So they have that data. They're looking at it and it's shaping how they adjust things. But you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to really know. Like if you are playing the meta and you have those cards and it worsens your experience because you're not having as much fun anymore. That sucks. I get it. But if you're somebody who isn't playing, it's like, it's exactly what you said about Chad. Cause Chad, Chad started a lot later than we did. And just like the fact that he doesn't have access to the cards that we do means that he has to deal. And I think he's playing at higher levels than we were when he was that early on. Cause I yeah. don't understand how or why he'd be running into high evolutionary that much. If it's that unless he late just has a like card. a really good like win rate and like he's he, higher up in the rank. Or... I think I think that's absolutely true, and that's like so he must be getting thrown in with people that are playing the meta because he's so high up in the rank ladder. Yeah, and that is just kind of like, it, it, hey, that sucks. But also, you're probably towards the high end anyway. Like I don't really know what else. So I don't know, but that's probably. Enough Marvel Snap for everybody. I don't yeah, know so if you now that everybody's checked out, <laughs> uh, I can keep going. I have like I just I have so much I could say about this stupid game. <laughs> I think that's the sign of a good game, even if you feel like it's frustrating sometimes. Oh, or abso- absolutely! Like, that. like I mean, it just it leads you to think like I like just remember playing like Magic the Gathering, right? And like because this is akin to that. It's a card game, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all like they didn't really balance cards, physical cards. You can't really do that. You know what I mean? Like so they started well, they balancing. Did in, they kind of did. Do they in did tournament later. Play. They did later on with tournament play, like limiting the number of like duplicate cards you can have in your deck and things yeah. like that. You know, and and like when they started nerfing all the counter spells and stuff in like the the late nineties or whatever. That's a whole other ball game that Brian could yeah. probably go on for days about. Um, but like. <laughs> It it's it makes you wonder like if you start playing Magic the Gathering now, which it's mostly digital, but you can still play it like locally, like in you know I think Time Traveler still has tournaments and collectible oh, yeah. investments does. So all these shops around us still have tournaments all the time. But essentially, like if you're playing online with Magic the Gathering Arena, they're doing the same sorts of things, maybe. And, like, how does that affect tournament play moving forward? You know, like, are they tweaking cards? And, like, I lo- like it's really interesting to me how Snap goes and tweaks the language of a card. That's, that's like, very cool, like, on a different level. Because yeah, it's not just, like... reflect how they intended it to work. Right. And, it's not just yeah. them saying, like, okay, Venom was one power. Now he's three power when you drop him. It's, like, we literally change the way this card reacts when it does what it's supposed to do in play by the wording in which we programmed it. You know, like, that's that's a, that's a pretty cool. But, like, you can't can't do that with physical cards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just I find I find the comparison between the two pretty interesting in all in all in all. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's enough. That's enough. Marvel Snap. That was that was about thirty minutes worth. So yeah. Um, in terms of what I've been playing, I've still been playing a bunch of Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It's still enjoying. Still it. very good. It's still so much fun. Um. And they really have, like, doled out the story in really interesting ways because it is kind of spread throughout. You get kind of different parts of it in the sky versus on the ground versus underground. And I think it's really cool the way that it's come together. And I th- I feel like it's a really, like, not only is it a, a, a really great Zelda story, but it's just kind of like a good story for a video game. Like, I, I think... 
most Zelda games, I'm just kind of like, yeah, you're Link. You got to help Zelda or save Zelda or save the kingdom, fight Ganon, not fight Ganon, whoever the villain is for this one. It's all pretty rote, and it's not too different here, but I just feel like what they've done with the, the with, with the um, you know, the Lego blocks of a standard Zelda story and how they've done things a little bit differently with this one have really worked well for me so far. I'm not, I still have only two of the dungeon type things down uh, of the four, and uh, I haven't gotten any closer to really completing it, but um, it's so much fun to just fall down rabbit holes in that game, literal and figurative. Um, yeah. and, uh, I'm still enjoying it quite a bit. I'll probably be playing it through the end of the year would be yes at this rate. So, um, but I did take a brief detour to check out Pikmin four, the demo that is on the store. Cause Pikmin four comes out, uh, a week from today as we're recording, which is July 21st. And uh, I've never played a Pikmin game before. The first one came out uh, on GameCube. I think the second one did as well. Pikmin 3 was a Wii game. Uh, and eventually they released like a deluxe version on Wii U and on, on Switch. Uh, and now all four games are going to be available on Switch when this fourth one comes out. Nice. Um, but they have a demo up on the store for Pikmin 4. It's a really interesting game. Uh, because it's kind of like the kind of, it's a little bit like a strategy game light. It's Nintendo's version of a strategy game in the same way that Splatoon is Nintendo's first person shooter. Pikmin feels like Nintendo's, you know, uh, Warcraft, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Okay. You are going around uh, a map and you are collecting units that you can throw at problems in different ways. And, um, in general, you're just these, you've crash landed on what's an alien planet that actually seems a lot like earth. And you're this tiny little guy who is reassembling his, um, uh, spaceship in order to try and, and get back home basically. And you're uncovering, you're using your Pikmin to like dig out, uh, earthen artifacts that you can use to help power your ship and things like that. And, um, it's really cool. It's got a very honey. I shrunk the kids kind of vibe to it in that sense of like okay. you are ant sized and, and, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with objects that are bigger than you and, 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 uh, manipulating them with Pikmin and that kind of thing. Um, different colored Pikmin have different strengths. Like the, uh, yellow ones are impervious to electricity. So if you come across any like electrical, currents they can move through them freely which is cool the other ones will die though uh red pikmin are impervious to fire and i think blue pikmin can travel through water um and so there's just kind of like there's there's a it's deceptively deep when you look at it and it seems so simple of like here's a little guy pulling plants out of the ground it's actually got a lot more to it than that and uh and I've never played one before. I appreciate it very much. I don't know that I'm going to be picking up Pikmin 4 just because I have Zelda still to play through. But it's the kind of thing where if I didn't have anything to play, I'd probably be grabbing Pikmin 4 now because my interest has been peaked. Okay. And it seems like a good on-ramp for the series for anybody who hasn't played it before. Um, so, yeah, Pikmin may be worth checking out. If uh, that kind of thing intrigues you, there's demos. There's a demo for four, and I think there's a demo for Pikmin 3 Deluxe that's on Switch as well, uh, if you want to try out that one too. Um, and then Pikmin 1 and 2 are in like a package. Uh, I think you can pay 50 bucks for both, um, or they're $30 separately. So that's Pikmin on the Switch. Um, and then I did tell Tim that we'd be talking about BattleBit Remastered, but that's because I was hoping Brian would join us. Uh, and I know he's been playing a lot of it, but basically there's a game called BattleBit Remastered that he brought up, uh, several episodes back, I think in our like 2023 preview. Um, it's in early access on Steam. It's basically what a lot of people have been missing from the Battlefield games in like a voxel, uh, 
graphic environment. And um, I want to play some more of it, but I haven't really had a ton of time. Looks like really like massive battles, like 32 versus 32, which is pretty cool. It's on PC. It's $15. A lot of people are loving it. So BattleBit Remastered, hopefully we'll have Brian on to talk more about it in the near future. Cool. But that's all I got, unless you've been playing anything else. I don't think so. Not that I can recall. All that's right. all that's all I have. Let's uh let's move on to And now patch notes with John, Brian, and Alex. But not Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh so the big story that happened in the intervening weeks here. Um just uh just this week the FTC's appeal was denied uh to block the Microsoft merger with Activision Blizzard. Um, and so basically this doesn't like stop the FTC's ability to say that there's a problem with this merger, but it does mean that they can't block the deal before they have finished their investigation, basically. Right. Cause a lot of what the investigation is, or, or at least like the, what's been spoken about in testifying is that everyone keeps bringing up call of duty as like the main thing that uh, Sony is claiming Microsoft will keep from them if they were to acquire Activision Blizzard. And uh, Phil Spencer said under oath, like it is, it is on record now, yeah. that he has no intentions of withholding Call of Duty from Sony PlayStation owners. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they've been there's been so many news stories as of late of like deals popping up between Microsoft and well, Activision Blizzard, Microsoft, whoever, and these other console makers to say we will bring Call of Duty to your platform for the next 10 years or something like that. And um it seems like a lot of those agreements were put in place to kind of head off some of these like potential monopolistic uh, concerns of these regulatory bodies, not only the FTC, but also um, the CMA in the United Kingdom um, and, you know, all the other countries that would need some sort of approval over this merger, wherever they're going to be doing business, basically. Um, So, yeah, I mean, at this point, it seems like if, uh, you know, the CMA did register some sort of... um, uh, complaints about the cloud gaming aspect of things and that this merger will give Microsoft a uh, a big heads up in the cloud gaming area with their uh, um, Game Pass streaming games that you're able to play, basically. Um, and it sounds like from this IGN article that um, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard are reportedly considering selling off some of their UK cloud gaming rights to appease this particular issue and to try and appeal that that thing in the UK so that they can continue to do business in the UK. I still just think those old farts over there don't understand what cloud gaming is. Like, that's probably the biggest part of it. (laughs) Maybe. I, I mean, it certainly is a more conservative view of, like, being more careful here and protecting the consumer in some sort of way of, like, well, we don't want you to have all of the great games on your cloud gaming service if Sony comes up and tries to make something that is different, you know, would Call of Duty be on both the Xbox cloud gaming service and the PlayStation cloud gaming service? I don't know. Like, that's a completely different realm of yeah, business. Yeah, I never thought that about that. It makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. But so, it's just, what's um, funny is, like, again, they, like the Call of Duty thing is, like, the main sticking point that, every, that they keep talking about. But then there's all these things that kind of keep popping up in the fringe of it where, like, Sony paid Square Enix a shitload of money to basically tell Xbox to kick rocks. Like, yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the crazy thing. There's been so many stories that have come out from the documents and, and, uh, testimony that have been offered at this particular FTC case. Um, you know, of, uh, like, uh, Starfield was going to be PlayStation exclusive until Microsoft bought Bethesda. 
Like, they were just going to skip the Xbox, and they were only going to have Starfield on PlayStation. Yeah. Which is which is pretty big. And now it's not going to be on PlayStation, but it is going to be on Xbox. And so, uh, and then there were also emails of Pete Hines at the top of Bethesda being like, uh, hey, um, Activision Blizzard is out here saying they get to do whatever they want. They can be on whatever consoles they want to be on. How come we didn't get the same agreement or something like that? Like, there's right. a lot of, like crazy emails that are appearing in this court case that are just kind of like this weird kind of infighting and people not getting the same concessions, you know, because obviously as Microsoft collects more game studios, there's a bigger focus on this consolidation that's going on. And the Activision Blizzard one has been the most recent and is therefore receiving the most scrutiny. Um, so it's just interesting to see a lot of this stuff come out. Like, at least if I think the whole argument of what you said of Square Enix getting paid to have Final Fantasy VII or whatever Final Fantasy game it is on PlayStation consoles, at least if Square Enix is a separate entity from Sony, Microsoft can come to the table and say, "We'll give you more money," or "How much money do we need to give you to get it on our platform too?" or you know there's this competition that can happen in the market and that's okay. But the idea that Square Enix would be completely off the table because Sony owns them or Microsoft owns them is somehow more limiting to the market. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious as to like what the actual agreement is between Square Enix and Sony, because if it's, if it's specifically directed at, keeping them away from Microsoft as much as possible like that that can be used against Sony in in this particular case because Sony's claiming that Microsoft is being anti-competitive for sure yeah and that's exactly what Sony would be doing there but it's uh it's kind of crazy man there's all kinds of other stuff that's also popped up like they they just announced I think it was today or maybe it was yesterday where they said the next the switch uh the successor to the switch is slated for next year and that had to come out in this case and yeah. that's presumably because Microsoft does work with Nintendo for at least Minecraft and a couple of other small things, too. Yeah. Um, but that's like, that's kind of big news. That's kind of huge news. I'm surprised more people aren't talking about that specifically, that the next Switch comes out next year. Like, yeah, yeah. And Nintendo's yeah. got to be pretty upset that that, has, that that had to come out in this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's there's all the rumors of the the Sony PlayStation Slim coming out and costing a hundred dollars cheaper than the, mm-hmm. than the PS5 currently does, and that the Xbox Series X costs. You know, like little things like that. Like there's there's this this case has has had a uh, a much wider breadth than I think anybody expected. Yeah, for sure. So still developing situation could still change in some weird ways but it sounds like the merger is likely to go through um and you know microsoft will be working on making sure that that can happen i think frankly i don't care where the games end up as long as they fucking work when i want to play them that's all (laughs) that's that's maybe the most important point for sure because somebody Um, who who was it i think was it maybe in my pride one of my private chats with jason and Corey. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. It was in it was in my sidebar chat with Jason and Corey, where Jason sent in something saying that uh, only fifteen percent of games created before twenty ten are like accessible, like you can still purchase them, mm. or something like that. Yeah. So like, again, I don't care where the games end up if they're on PC, PlayStation. Xbox, Microsoft, or Nintendo, whatever system, you know, Game Boy, Game Game Gear. And I don't care where the games are. As long as they work when I buy them and I want to play them, I don't care. So this this That's like fair. this idea that like Microsoft's keeping people from playing the games, they're not. Like they're not keeping anybody from playing anything. Yeah. Far you gotta buy the hardware at some point. Some kind of hardware anyway, but Plus, I've just seen uh, a bunch of people who I know who are console gamers who are just like, "How do I bu- build a PC?" Yeah. So you're gonna, I think you're just gonna see a bunch of console gamers switching to PC because everybody's poor now. Like the whole world's poor, right? So like everybody's like, "Oh man, 
all the games are cheaper on PC. So if I make my initial <laughs> investment in getting a PC, then I'll pay less for the games over time. And they're right. And the PC yeah. will last them probably a bit longer than the console will in most cases. Yeah, although sadly, you probably need to pay a console price to get a GPU still in the future. But but again, the initial investment is higher. But long term, mm. they don't have Steam sales on PlayStation. They have some pretty good sales on these on, on, they do. on Xbox and PlayStation uh, and Switch even. But yeah, it's still not like, you know you know two dollars or whatever for like there, every there's single no, there's no humble Valve bundle game on ever playstation made. you know they have done some deals before but it's been a while they they used to do one with capcom every once in a while where you can yeah. get a bunch of capcom games for playstation through humble bundle but you're correct that's true there are not um the discounts are usually not that deep uh oh, and, but yeah. and they, wait and another real quick statistic that they said was that uh between Sony, Nintendo, and play uh, and uh, Xbox. That Nintendo has the most. They've made the most money off of first party games. Oh yeah, and yeah. It was. I mean, it was like it was almost triple what the other guys have made. Like they make something like eight billion dollars. Like they've made eight billion dollars like in first party games alone. And then in this I think generation, the and the Switch. Like yeah, the switch obviously if it's just this generation, the switch like Mario Kart Eight is still selling somehow. Like how yeah. everybody, I feel like everybody and their mom and all of their children all have their own copies of Mario Kart Eight Deluxe at this point. So it's just kind of like, how does it keep selling? Right, it just keeps going. So that's it's the just, weird thing. It's like, just like Todd Howard said about Skyrim. If people stop playing, it will stop remaking yeah. it. <laughs> if you guys will stop buying this game, we will stop, stop putting it, it out on every stop. single... Yeah. Well, speaking of Nintendo, uh, there was a Nintendo Direct. I wanted to just touch on a couple of the announcements here. This was June 21st, uh, so it's been a couple weeks, but... Uh, most the, the biggest thing, they did announce Super Mario Bros. Wonder which is the next main Mario game. It is a 2D side-scrolling Mario game. John, did you see any of this? Uh, I did not. I don't gameplay? even know when this happened. This, Yeah, it was it was towards the end of June. But basically, it is a 2D uh, Mario similar to what we were, we were talking about. I think that might have been before the show, or I, don't, I can't. I don't remember several minutes ago when we were talking about the Mario games where you can collide into each other. Um, I don't know that it's like... Uh, it looks like it's not the collision, like uh, you can't bump into each other. Maybe you can turn that off. Who knows? But um, it is a side-scrolling Mario. It looks very pretty. There's all kinds of new power-ups and things. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm excited to check it out. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. And there's, like, voice acting. Like, you have... Um, Chris Pratt? No, there's no Chris Pratt, as far as we know. Although there was, like, a... People were concerned online that uh, it didn't sound like Charles Martinet anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they got Chris Pratt to come and do uh, to come and do um, voice Mario. I mean, he probably would do it at this point, but I also think he'd be expensive compared no, to it's, Charles it's, Martinet. It's, yeah, it's actually Pedro Pascal. <laughs> uh, but they no, they have these like flowers and things that speak in the background and like. I don't know. There's something about it. Some of these power-ups that they show are so, like, it's it's even more, like, uh, hallucinogenic-induced. Like, it's they've almost gone literal with Mario taking a mushroom, and it changes. Like, pipes start crawling on the ground, like caterpillars, and, like, all kinds of weird shit happens. It looks great. I'm excited for it. Um, so that's coming uh, later this year. Uh, October 20th, I believe, is the date. I'm going to confirm that real quick while we are here. Maybe. It's the Japanese getting a real experimental with, uh, you know, some of that um, psilocybin, man. Yeah, there you go. They're microdosing. Uh, they're they're trying they're, to solve the uh, their, um, their birth rate because <laughs> it's been in decline <laughs> for so many years. Yeah, and they're they're like we've run out of ideas. Everyone do some shrooms and let's figure this out. 
Uh, yeah, October twentieth is when Super Mario Brothers Wonder comes out. Um, oh, was this cool. the direct that also announced um, Super Mario RPG remake? Yes. So that was okay. the next thing I was going to hit. Super Mario cool. RPG is receiving a remake that is going to be released on your birthday, I believe, November seventeenth. Yep. Uh, this is the game that came out on Super Nintendo as Super Mario RPG and the Legend of the Seven Stars or something like that. And uh, it was a co-development between Mar- uh, between Nintendo and Square at the yep. time. It was Square Soft, not Square Enix. Uh, because that's back when Square was exclusive to Nintendo yes. and only made games for Nintendo. Like yep. the like all of the original Final Fantasy series up until Final Fantasy Seven, yes, which yeah, was originally no. going to be a Nintendo game, yeah, and then and then they uh, they opted to go Sony because of uh, I believe um, storage because they could well, do more with discs well, instead of cartridges. Because Sony was making a disc system for Nintendo, and then Sony was yeah. like, "Oh, we could just make our own game system. Why do we have to partner with Nintendo?" Yep. And and then we have the PlayStation. Yeah. Uh so this game, I mean, this game is like the heritage of the Mario and Luigi games uh on on Game Boy Advance basically, you know, any sort of Mario RPG that you played, this is the progenitor. Like it is the 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 prototype that it all came from. So, uh I'm excited. I've never played through the original game, and this will be a great opportunity for me to do that. So, uh Super Mario RPG is coming yeah who knows maybe that'll like cause a rebirth of my love for jrpgs yeah i don't know i've i've almost there have been a few times where i've almost just pulled the trigger on persona 5 because Mm -hmm. everyone raves about it and every time i see the art style and like the menu system i'm just like man like i want to play that but i don't want to play that I've heard such great things about Persona 4 and Persona 5, and I want to play through them so bad, but anytime I think about all of the proper nouns that I'm going to need to learn in order to play this game, I'm like, yeah. I can't. I don't. I can't do it. I can't. And I just know it's going to be so JRPG. I don't know. Um, there wasn't a whole lot else that was super crazy. They did announce uh, at this Direct that there's a co-op coming to... Uh, vampire survivors which is pretty sweet um that's gonna be crazy i i believe they're also getting a new engine with this update that's coming that has the co-op uh like it's it's coming on on like a new engine so it's four player local co-op on the switch i'm not sure um i don't think that's exclusive to the switch but uh that was what they announced um it's coming august 17th on the switch so cool Excited to see uh, what else is going to be in that update for that game because they just keep adding shit to it. Um, And then, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Persona, I don't know if you saw, but they're doing a Persona Tactics game. Yes. That looks cool as well. Like, I wish I could. And then the team who worked on Persona is doing a game that's not Persona but looks exactly like Persona. (laughs) Yeah, I forget what that one was called. It, It had like a really, what was that? Oh, God, I wish I knew what the name was. Uh, but it had a very it had the cool menus and stuff too going on because it's yes. it's like literally the same team so it's got some very similar art style. Yep. Yeah. No, I I it was a cool Nintendo Direct. There was a lot of interesting stuff announced in it, and uh, I'm excited to to play a lot of the stuff that they showed off. So, but yeah, I think that's all I've got for patch notes this week. Cool. Well, sounds good. Um, uh, yeah. I don't have anything next else. Next time, next time, hopefully Brian will talk about Battle Bit. Yeah. If we can uh, get on his schedule in some some form. Find all the places you can listen to or watch a show. Check out and not watch it again. I don't know why I did that again. <laughs> to find all the places that you can listen to the show, check out MidwestGamers.com/slash/links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. Help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for their contributions. 
One of the perks to joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next time. I do know Exo Prime will just hit the uh, Xbox Game Pass. Mm. And so did a couple of things that I've been meaning to play, like uh, Fist, Forged, and Shadow Torch just yeah. hit. That Bookwalker game that they showed off during the Game Awards is on there, too, which I wanted to check out. Um, and what else? There was one more I was just looking at. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know. But there's a bunch of stuff on, on Game Pass that I need to check out because it's been a minute since I've really been on there. But I definitely want to check out Exoprimal. So I'll have to load it on the Xbox and uh, see how that goes. But, uh, yeah. And then um, there's a bunch of other random stuff coming out in, like, the next couple weeks. No, yeah, we'll Remnant 2 comes out on the 25th, and I yeah. wish I could commit to picking it up, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. There's uh, a lot of games coming. A lot of games I'm currently playing, a lot of games that are coming out. So, yeah. Lots of excitement this summer yes. of video games ahead of us here still. So, be sure to come back next time and see what we're talking about. And we will see you then. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. See you. Peace.